Welcome to Loading the Bar with physical training experts Parker McBride and Matt Wasco. Our Fit Lifestyle podcast covers the science of nutrition and fitness, together with the challenges we all face to be disciplined. We'll guide you through the minefields of fads and gimmicks and all manner of BS that tempt us in today's fitness world. Ready to begin? Then let's start loading the bar. Welcome back, everybody, to the Loading the Bar podcast. Parker McBride here, joined as always by Matt Wasco, and we are bringing you episode number seven. How can't believe it's back? seven. Seven, yeah. It's good. You know, uh, I can't believe we've done this seven weeks in a row. Yep. Hey, we're batting a thousand so far. <laughs> <laughs> and with everything going on, I just, this last week my heat went out, and that ended up being a, uh, a little bit of a uh, bizarre situation that. I didn't have to replace the furnace or a part or anything, and now it's back running again. So that's a little bit of a mystery, but I don't want to dive too far into that. But anyway, yeah, and our, well, I mean, I'm very glad to say it, but our predictions failed miserably last week. Yes, the Chiefs did win. They and did they win. Now going to the Super Bowl, they did win, and um, I was a little surprised. Uh, they're, they're playing. They're playing like they haven't played for the majority of the season. Yeah, especially Kelsey. When Kelsey plays great, they do well overall. The defense. I mean, I oh, just, they're I've never really seen good. The really good. like that. So, um, we're hoping for good things in the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll uh, give ourselves another week to make the prediction because yeah. the Super Bowl's another week away. So, yeah, but I mean. I got to go with the Chiefs. So. Yeah. Well, I think at this point, if they continue to play like that and Kelsey Keems continues to play like that, it's they're going to be hard to beat. Absolutely. And they know how to win in the big pressure games. So they've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and San Francisco, for to be fair, has been there. Yeah. Um, they just haven't won with this most recent team. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be looking to, to win this game for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, today, a um, couple different topics that we're going to tackle. Uh, we're going to start out, talk a little bit about the carnivore diet, right. um, and then dive into some other nutritional-based uh, topics after that. So the reason that we wanted to talk about the carnivore diet today, um, January, for those of you that don't know, is considered carnivore month. Uh, that term was coined by the guy who kind of invented carnivore month, Dr. Sean Baker, and I... Uh, participated in a carnivore month for the entire month of January. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've preached a similar diet pattern to what carnivore is uh, on this podcast in the past. And it's very much what we both believe. And Matt and I both have followed a, a diet that's similar to that for many years, really. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about my experiences specifically yeah. on it. Um, we can talk about our experiences in general with the diet in the past. And then I want to talk a little bit about what other people have experienced too. There have been obviously numerous uh, pieces of anecdotal evidence along with even studies done on it right. um, as well. So the basics of the carnivore diet, if you don't know, is you have meat, any meat that you want, beef, chicken, pork, fish, whatever. Um, you can have eggs and then you can have uh, dairy products that be milk, uh, you know, yogurt, cheese, butter, things like that. Right. But that's it. Yeah. So the one thing 
I would start off with about this diet is that it's the most restrictive diet I've ever really followed. What would you, what would you say, um, as far as the, um, being difficult in, um, is it difficult in the ways that you have to manage it as far as getting those, just those items, or is it difficult because you want to eat other items mm-hmm. outside of the carnivore diet? Both for me, it's more a desire to, for variety. You uh-huh. know, we naturally, I think, as humans, have a desire for a little bit of variety, right. change things up a little bit, and it was no variety. So a weekend, I was kind of enjoying it because I like all those foods. Right. But three weeks in, you would eat the exact same thing for three weeks. You're getting kind of tired. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of sourcing it, I mean, obviously, I try really hard to to source. Uh, quality foods. So, right. I mean, it is a little bit difficult, I will admit. <clears throat> um, I benefit from beef from our own farm, right? So that helped a lot. I ate mostly beef the entire time uh, in terms of the meat selection and then get eggs from a local farmer and, and raw milk from a local farmer and, and stuff like that. So Now, you, you said you were eating two pounds a day. Yeah. So... The basic kind of diet that I followed was uh, around six eggs in the morning mm-hmm. for breakfast. Threw some cheese on it. Sometimes had some uh, Greek yogurt with it and a glass of milk. I'd have a pound of uh, ground beef patties at lunch with some cheese on top. Mm-hmm. And then dinner was some sort of uh, meat. We might have steaks, might have uh, roast, something like that. And typically I'd have about that. Six takes in the morning. Um, that's good. I mean, a lot of times I'll, I'll hit at least five or six. Yeah. Uh, that, now, I don't necessarily have it in the morning because usually I've been getting up at like 3.30 in the morning or 3.45, and with it being as cold as it's been, I kind of lay there till about 4 or 4.05, <laughs> so I don't have time to, to cook those up like I had been. And when I was only doing like two or three days a week, at you know 5 a.m then i would get up at 3 30 and make some eggs you know and then have my shake i told you a lot of times by noon i've got anywhere from 100 usually 120 to 150 grams of protein in me by noon wow um this new schedule has been a little thing with the cold weather and all that um i've been late well <laughs> so our heat went out right so uh Pretty cold in the morning up in our room. Yeah, but yeah. And so it was it's like getting up when it was like fifty five degrees in our room, it was a little bit of a psychological challenge. But I'd get up about three fifty five, get my shake made, um, get my clothes together, get out the door by four fifteen, and um so I don't run at that time to make those those eggs. But that's the ideal scenario for me is Getting up by 3.30 and making those five or six eggs. Well, and one of the challenges, too, is there's no opportunity for supplementation. Because, you know, you can't just, oh, I need some extra protein. Let me throw in sweet protein powder. Wow. Or protein bar. Yeah, wow. things like that. Yeah, that's, because that's... I, I, you know, I made sure to stay 100% strict on this whole month. There was nothing, you know, in terms of liquids. Like, I just drank water. I mean, obviously milk, you know, as, yeah. as well. But there was nothing that entered my body that was not in compliance with that diet just because I, I wanted to 
I wanted it to, to, <laughs> just, to try it. Yeah, it was it was tough. Yeah, you know, not a, not a cheat meal here or there. Um, yeah, it it, it was tough. Well, I'm thinking two pounds a day. Uh, you're doing the Parker meat, so that's about eleven bucks in meat per day. Yeah. Right. And then for thirty days, so you're looking at three hundred plus dollars in meat. Yeah. So, uh, but then. Well, you know, you got the eggs and the milk, but it's not like you're buying a bunch of other stuff to go along with it. Right. You just eat meat. Right. Cheese and, and, and milk and, and eggs. You know, Eggs pretty expensive, too. If I'm eating uh, six eggs a day, that's 15 dozen a month. How much How much bread meat did you have to start with? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how many pounds of red meat did you have to start with? Because you probably cut through at least a third or half of it. I don't remember. I, I don't know <laughs> how many I had to start. But yeah, I mean, I'm I was... running pretty low now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the thing is like I had a, I have a seven cubic um, foot uh, freezer mm-hmm. and I it was jam-packed. I mean, I was full. That's why I did take a cow the most recent um, ones that came up for slaughter. But um, I've made a little bit of a dent in it over the last three months yeah and um you know so i haven't i haven't per se done a carnivore diet like you have uh mostly because of uh just the amount of mouths that i have in my in my house you know it just it would be just too expensive yeah and i would go through my meat in like one month yeah so um you know i supplement mine with protein powder probably half of my my protein intake is powder. Well, I, I will admit that, that that can be a hurdle for people. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are trying to do this diet, it can be cost. And, you know, I have the benefit of obtaining. Just, we raise our own beef, so my beef doesn't cost hardly anything. It, 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 it's very affordable, whereas someone going to the grocery store, not so much. But the thing that I've heard a lot of people say that I will echo is, you know, buy the best you can afford Right. If you're in a position where if you're trying to do this diet or or stick to high protein, you know, and you're in a position where you, you know if you're young, you don't have a lot of money, you can buy the cheap stuff. You know, there's been plenty of evidence to show that cheap meat is still better for you than processed food. Right. You know, is it as good as the higher quality meat? No. But um it's still better than just buying junk off the shit off the processed food shelves. Right, and eat that instead. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize is once you stop eating that processed food, you could go to about anything that's the least farm fresh, you know, be it vegetables, meat, you know, or some other type of diet, and um, you're gonna have an improvement. Yeah, because the pro- you're getting on processed foods. Okay. So, you know, there were some things that I expected to happen that happened. But there were also some things that I maybe didn't really expect to happen that, that I thought were a little more profound. Okay. Um, I mean, I expected eating a lot of meat. I, I've had a lot of people that I've listened to that have done this diet that have said, you know, it's a really good diet for weight loss. Right. Um, there's a lack of carbohydrates coming in the body. They really lean down. Um, that I kind of expected. But I will say... Um, I, my weight actually stayed the same. I expected to lose some weight. 
I thought it would be hard to keep the weight on that I had. And I really expected to go down a few pounds over the course of the month. You kept the same weight. Well, so the first, I think like a weekend, I weighed and I was down four pounds. And then like a week or two later, I was basically back up to where I started. And then I pretty much stayed there the rest of the month. So when you did 365, how much did you weigh? I, when I finished, I weighed 186, which was uh, uh, the, well, like the night of the 31st morning at first. Okay. I, have you looked up what the percentage I know. Was? I need to get like 375 <laughs> to get to 2.0. Yeah, that's yeah. that's impressive. Well, wow. I'm, the, I'm probably the closest I've ever been to benching double body weight. Yeah. So. You're closer now than you were when you were younger. Yeah. And you did that before you did it with eating tons of carbs. I was. So back then I was eating lots of rice, uh, you know, oatmeal. Yeah, I was eating a lot of carbs back then. And, but my body weight back then was, you know, 215 instead of being 185. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That's extremely impressive. So that's one thing I noticed was my strength went up. My muscle mass obviously went up because I got leaner. So if I make my weight stay the same and I got leaner, then that means my muscle mass had to go up. Yeah. Right. So I gained muscle. I got stronger. Eating no carbs. What was your energy levels like? Well, that's the thing. My energy levels were, I would say, like right in the center. Mm-hmm. I wasn't high energy. I wasn't low energy. I was just in the middle and it just stayed there all day. Like I woke up first thing in the morning. I was right here. Throughout the day, I was right here. Nighttime before going to bed, I was right here. Mm. Never changed. Interesting. And that was one thing I wasn't used to. So at sometimes, like in the mornings, because I used to be maybe uh, less high energy in the mornings. I would be kind of uh, in the mornings. But I woke up and I was like, man, I feel amazing. I'm high energy in the morning. But then when it came to like midday, whereas normally midday might be the peak of my energy, right? I was still down here. So then I was like, oh, I'm kind of dragging. So it was weird to, instead of having those cycles of energy up and down, I was just flat all the time. Wow. Yeah. Which was one of my big takeaways that I didn't really expect. I didn't expect it to be that consistent. Well, not only that, but I wasn't expecting you to, I mean, I knew what your bench ratios were. I wasn't expecting you going from 1.91 to 1.96. I did not expect it to go up at all. Yeah. So that's intriguing for me personally, um, because I got to where, you know, now I will say this, I have gotten stronger, um, adding dextrose. I've been a little more consistent after the holidays as far as everything. Yeah, and sleep. Um, and there was, a, there was a couple weeks there at the beginning of January. My sleep wasn't that great. But I started locking that in. And so just having the time to just ride with these little bit warmer days, man, energy's been great. Yeah. You know, I mean, just really, I might get up at, you know, 3.30, a little tired. By the time I hit at 5, the energy level's been all the way through the day. Yeah. And that's been nice. Because um, through probably from probably November through December, my energy levels were not high. I, I don't, I mean, I just seemed, I think we talked about it on a previous podcast that, you know, I don't, it, outside of the psychology of the cold weather, 
to the big, you know, just my energy level, even before the, the really cold, was not great. Yeah. So, um, you know, once I started um, being more consistent day in and day out, my energy level has been really good. You know, like right now, I feel great. So, um, so I'm intrigued by your experience for sure, you know, and it's a little hard to gauge it, you know, cause you're a bunch younger than me and, you know, but I just can't, I can't discount your experience by saying, oh, he's just younger, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it, it had to have something to do with the protein. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, you know, beef on average is six or seven grams of protein per ounce. So two pounds is about 200 grams of protein. Uh, the eggs, that'd be another, you know, 35, you know, glass of milk, trace amounts. I was at least 250 grams of protein a day at that level. Because I was eating snacks too. I had beef sticks, like beef jerky and stuff for snacks. I had Greek yogurt. I mean, I would estimate that there were I was probably over 250 most days, maybe even inching up on 300 a couple of few different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's been said to me by other people that are, you know, more advanced than me that uh, I've been averaging 240. And it's like protein's not your problem. You got you to add in carbs, which, you know, I have added in carbs and I have seen uh, some weight gain. Yeah, and some strength level gang. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm definitely stronger than I was. Well, you know, uh, one of the conclusions that I took was uh, you can get stronger on this diet, even if you're already really strong. But you don't have to be on this diet to get strong. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I've done it before with carbohydrates with a different kind of diet. You've done it with a different kind of diet. And so is everybody else. Like, it's not, I'm not saying this is the only way. Oh, no, for but, sure. You know, finding out that this is a way is interesting. Yeah, I was not expecting your strength levels to go up. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Well, I, I was consistent, too. You're very consistent in the gym. Um, six days a week, the whole month. So that that is a big piece of it as well. Right. The consistent working out, putting that protein to use. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you get protein into your body, your body is ready to use that as sort of building blocks. Like think about it brick by brick to, to build your body up. Right. And, you know, your body's going to attack the places that are broken down first. If nothing's broken down and it doesn't need it to build back up what's been broken down, you block time to flush it out. Your body can't even, can't even store its body fat. So, you know, if you're getting that protein, you have to... You had to be breaking your muscles down in order to give it something to build back up. And I think that was kind of the key. I mean, right. a lot of protein, but I'm also doing a lot of muscle breakdown. So then my muscles are able to, they have something there to be built back up with. And that's, it's kind of formulaic, I guess, right. in that respect. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to when you ate that protein, that I'd be curious, did you have like... Did you make sure you ate your protein in a certain time in relation to when you worked out? Or did you not think about that? Because there's two schools of thought. There's, you know, there's some people say, have your protein 
you know, for right after within 30 minutes to an hour. And then there's a, some new studies out there that says anything within 24 hours of, of a workout, the body's still working on your synthesis of new lean muscle mass. Uh, I worked out fasted every day. Hold on. Uh, I worked out in the mornings before I ate breakfast. And then I would usually eat pretty quick after I worked out most every day. Mm-hmm. And that was when I eat my eggs. So I, I did not have any protein in my system before, but then I got it pretty consistently the rest of the day after that. I get, you know, breakfast at like 6.30, lunch at noon, dinner at 6.30. And where do you work it out? Like 5.30 in the morning. Wow, then you have you haven't done that in a long time. No, it's been a very very long time since I've been at work. I better. Yeah, no, I I've, I've loved it. I've I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that is uh, one thing as a trainer that kind of went to the wayside is working out at that time, and that's what I've kind of missed. Now I will say, we've had days where in the gym we have you know trainees that give me you know 30 to 45 minutes of free time not every day some days it's consistent all day long yeah and so i think it was was thursday that we had about an hour of free time around 7 seven thirty, and i got my full tricep taken and that felt good because i had a lot of energy at seven so yeah it was a good time yeah, I very much enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, another thing that I noticed was uh, we talked about energy levels. That was one of the things I wanted to bring up in terms of things I was a little surprised about. Another mm-hmm. thing I was surprised about was digestion. Um, I, I actually had a lot of people ask me, like, mm, how's your how's your digestion going? Are you back up? Like, you know, stuff like that. That's great. It's smooth. It's fine. There's no issues. You know, I had no, like, bloating and indigestion and, like, just feeling bad. And the guy, like, felt very good the whole time. Whether it was right after I ate or right before I ate, anything like that. Right. Wow. And then on top of that, my sleep was really good, too. I slept really good. Like, lay down to go to sleep, far right sleep. And then when morning came, I was ready to go. Yeah. Even in the middle of winter, normally the winter time is the time where, oh man, I, I can't, I have trouble getting up. You know, it's really cold outside, it's dark, it's been dark, you know, things like that. Right. And it was like, long ago, like, I'm ready to go. One time are you, what time are you going to bed? Nine. Nine. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to stick to like nine, you know, maybe nine fifteen at the latest and get up at five or five fifteen. Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um... Because I was, like I said, I've repeated this a few times already. I just wasn't expecting you to have those kind of results. Yeah. I was not expecting you to, you know, get, you know, prove your bench ratio so much, you know, and relatively be this close to the same way you were when you started. Yeah. Um, The last thing was sickness. You know, I didn't get sick at all i didn't have any you know colds or sniffles or anything even the least bit of that and normally i will throughout january that's a just a comment on lack of vitamin d and things like that cause 
me to you know, get a little sick, get a little cold here. I didn't have any of that. I didn't ever feel like I was coming down with anything, anything like that. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. Now I um I haven't got very I haven't got pretty much sick for for a couple of years. I just don't get that sick. Yeah. And I think it's, you know I I have had sickness. I'm not going to say I have it, but for the most part, many times the family, everyone in the family gets sick, and I never get sick. That's because I eat very clean, yeah. and you know, um, you know that's that's the other thing. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. You know, when you eat clean, who's clean as I do, uh, not everyone wants to follow along, and those are some of the that are closest to us. Yeah, and, that, and, and uh, so that took time to be like, nope, you know, do you want me to pick this up for you? No. Because yeah. it's right in front of me. Oh, it's all the time. It's right in front of me all the time. But I had such positive results by the way I've eaten. It's not hard for me anymore. The only time it gets a little hard for me is, is uh, I'm a big fan of, I guess it's not that bad for you, but like, Air pop popcorn oh, yeah. and with lots of butter. <laughs> and um, your croissants and your croissants on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, I don't have it. I don't eat hardly any of that. But the point is, is that, yeah, I've been very healthy yeah. uh, for the most part. And you have that chance. So let's reverse that back. How is your, is your wife eating along with you? Yeah, for the most part. Um, she, left white fruits and vegetables in to the diet, but otherwise was 100% as well. What's her take on fruits and vegetables? She just likes them? Well, I think that was a little bit more... She's pregnant. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, That's right. You know, I, the just wanted to make sure that she does what's best for the baby. And, yeah. And the, you know, the, the nutrients coming from fruits and vegetables. So she, she stuck with that. Um, but by no means, I mean, it was completely her option. Yeah. You know, I wasn't asked her to say anything. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. Um, well, that's interesting because, you know, we both know that, you know, all the bioavailable nutrients and vitamins are available in meat. Exactly. So it makes me think that she just likes vegetables. Yeah. <clears throat> she didn't eat like that much of them. You know, right. Just left them in there just kind of for... For health reasons and and advice from the midwives and, yeah, and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, oh, I get it. I get it. Um, so, anything else on it? You said what? Do you have any things you didn't like too much outside of you know lacking some variety? Um, one of the things I didn't love was the ability to hit that really that really high energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I couldn't get to that level. Like when I was working out. I didn't hit any real big, um, I didn't have any like just killer. That was the best workout I ever had workouts. Right. And I think that the reason for that is I didn't have those carbohydrates. My energy level was so consistent. I couldn't, you know, get up high and peak myself out on, uh, on a high level of energy to do a workout. I kind of just had the nice and consistent levels the whole time. And, and it's nice to, to be able to do that, to go hit a really high um, we're really high energy at, at a certain point. On the carnivore diet, what would be your opinion as far as going forward? You know, do you see that being 
he would do it like uh, once a month per year, or do you? How do you see incorporating that into your health journey as you go forward? Hmm. Um, you know, I think I decided. Obviously, I, I stopped after January, um, but moving forward, I think every January I would like to continue to do it. I think there was some good benefits. Um, I don't think it's something it's harder to stick to in like summer months and holidays and stuff like that. So I know January is a month that I can pretty easily stick to it and do it. Um, but I also don't want to deprive myself completely in other times of the year. But I will say that I found the biggest benefit from probably the first week to two weeks. Because the week to two weeks was, it felt good. It felt a little bit like a detox, right? It wasn't, there was nothing bad in my system. Um, After a couple weeks is when it got like, okay, this is just, this is just getting challenging to do. And I'm feeling the exact same. I'm not feeling like I'm really improving anymore. So knowing that I have it, it's something that if I'm ever feeling a little out of whack, I might use it as a reset for like a week, maybe 10 days here and there. Right. Um, but I probably won't ever do it for like a month unless it's January. Right. What do you think the results would be if you went long term with that? Mm, now that's where we get a little more speculative mm-hmm. because I don't know how I, I really don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know if I would have been able to keep up the strength gains, you know, if that would have plateaued at a certain point, mm-hmm. um, how my body would have responded to being fat adapted and being in ketosis for that long. Mm -hmm. Um, It'd be interesting to try, but it's not something that I'm super interested in trying because I think what we found in the people that have tried it for a long period of time, it typically is for the purpose of, you know, weight loss, significant weight loss, or it's for the purpose of significantly trying to improve health that is way out of whack. Right. And I do think it's been proven to succeed in those situations on a long-term basis, you know, but that's just not a position that I'm in. Right. Yeah. That That's the people that I think like Dr. Jordan Peterson, you know, he's been eating a meat-based carnivore diet and uh, it helped improve his health significantly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that they have some type of chronic illness going on and the carnivore diet has healed that after several months. So as far as fitness is concerned, I think a month is, you know, totally sufficient to do. Well, my perspective on it is try it, see what your body does, try it for a month and commit to a month. And then when you get to that month, see what your body's doing. And if you think it's continuing to be beneficial for you, then continue to do it. If you don't, then and then stop. Right. Um, because like you said, we have found that it can be a, you know, a significant help in reducing the effects of chronic illness. It can be a significant help in weight loss if you're someone struggling to lose weight. But, you know, beyond that, it's kind of just a case by case basis. Right. Right. Um, and that's why I wanted to try it because I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people that, you know, I'm not a perfect candidate for a long-term carnivore diet, but I wanted to just see what it would do. And I want to try it on myself so I can better uh, help other people because I, I've been preaching a uh, 
either carnivore or close to carnivore diet to a lot of people. And I followed a close to carnivore diet, but I've never followed a strict carnivore diet. So that, that was my main goal in, right. in that. And, uh, kind of the last element that's different than physical was the the mental effect, um, the discipline, the willpower that you gain from having to follow the strict of a diet for this long. Right. You know, and, and telling yourself, no, I can't have that. And, forcing yourself to follow along and, and hold your commitments and things like that. And I think that was helpful too, like proving to myself I can do this for a month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we came across some studies, didn't we? Yeah. So, you know, it's all well and good. I could sit here all day and talk about my experience on the carnivore yeah, diet, yeah. but I'm just one person. So, right. you know, if you're not, not buying it, um, there was actually a Harvard study done on over 2000 individuals and all sorts of genders, nationalities, age groups, you know, all over the spectrum. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but I want to talk a little bit about the results that, that these people saw. And some of these results were kind of self-reported in terms of how they felt afterwards. But, um, out of those over 2000, over 95% reported just an improved overall health. Right. Right. So if we compare those people who are probably on a standard American diet went to carnivore diet, I mean, that's almost everybody Mm -hmm. getting improved health from that. So, you know, you you can't really make the argument that it's that it's detrimental. Um, You could maybe make the argument that there are better diets than that to follow, but it's not the scary, you know, oh, it's going to kill you type of thing that sometimes you hear from people when you talk about eating red meat. Um, This one's interesting. 89% saw improved energy. Wow. So I saw mine become more consistent, but I thought I saw them come down. You know, so that's interesting, the people that saw improved energy. My guess is that would have a lot to do with if they were coming off of a processed foods diet, coming onto a carnivore diet, the processed foods probably actually made them lower energy and removing those you know, brought them back up. Whereas I was just like removing carbohydrates, which dropped my energy a little bit. Yeah. And what was the the study? It was a Harvard, Harvard study. study. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, let's see, 85%, 83% on improved mental clarity and improved focus. So, you know, that kind of, uh, cloudy, uh, mind, you know, kind of going away. And and I would agree with that. I I would say that's something that I probably had a pretty clear mind anyway, but I definitely think that I got a lot of, did a lot of reading, did a lot of thinking, did a lot of just focusing on, you know, where, what my next steps are and where I want to go from here. And so I, I, you know, I definitely felt like I had a clear mind. Yeah. It seems like it's got a, uh, I mean, I'm looking at your list there. It's got a lot of positives. Yeah, so 78% improved strength, 69% improved sleep, you know, 69% improved chronic disease. So there, you know, it was the chronic disease we were talking about. That's 70%. Over two-thirds of people saw an improvement in their chronic disease. It doesn't specify chronic, you know, it's a ghost for any chronic disease. So right. if you have a 70% likelihood in improving your disease, why not try it? Yeah. Um and then did did it talk about the conditions of that study? It 
uh, it did. You mean like what conditions? Like what people's how conditions did they, were? How did, yeah, how did they run the study? Well, yeah, I could go back up. We can touch on that okay. in a minute. I want to talk about some of the specific conditions that people had, mm. um, like the diseases that it helped. Uh, of the people that had diabetes or were insulin resistant, 98% of them improved or resolved it. Wow. Almost 100%. And this is diabetes. Diabetes. 98%. Yeah. So. That's kind know. of a draw-dropping uh, statistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're somebody who's dealing with insulin resistance or, or, you know, diabetes, and you see a stat like this that shows if you follow this diet, you have almost a 100% chance of improving or even resolving it. Worth a try. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, uh, this goes back to what I was talking about. 97% improved uh, gastrointestinal conditions. You know, their digestion was way better. I noticed that. I noticed my digestion getting way better. Um, musculoskeletal issues, 96% improved or resolved. 96% improved or resolved psychiatric systems So or um, symptoms. So even the effect on to, your brain. You would have to contribute some of that. To getting off process fix. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is very true. And that's why I would love to see, because here's the, the kind of debate is you have the, the vegetarian sort of vegan side of things that say they do their studies versus processed food diets. And they say, oh, we improved everything. And then you have carnivore diets now doing diets against uh, processed food diets saying we improved everything. Let's see them go head to head. Yeah. Carnivore diet versus vegetarian diet yeah you know i would love to see what the results of that would be yeah absolutely and see which one would be better um a couple of these others 93 percent improved or resolved overweight or obesity which um you know that's that's weight loss kind of like we were talking about right we needed weight loss yeah um 93 improved hypertension high blood pressure you know went down um yeah. And then last one here, satisfaction. 98% of participants reported being satisfied with the diet. So let's talk about the conditions of it. Okay. So the conditions are, because if, if we had healthy individuals who already eat clean yeah. versus healthy individuals who already, uh, sorry, not already, but try the carnivore diet, that would be very significant. Uh, as you know, if it's healthy individuals who were coming off processed foods, then you'd have to figure in the fact that they're on processed foods and they're just getting off of those. Yeah. And it doesn't say exactly what the diets looked like before. It does talk about why, um, 93% said they started, uh, just to improve their health and to lose weight. Gotcha. So it doesn't really say what their diet was before. Um, they I mean, cited reasons for why they started. Well, I will say this, that, that would be, you know, that's something I would like to know, but it's, it makes it a viable option for sure. I mean, those yeah. kind of numbers, th that's extremely impressive. Well, and what I've heard from a lot of people is, you know, they're looking for a diet that would be healthy and work for them. They've been told, you know, red meat's bad for you. Eggs are bad for you. Things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Butter is bad for you. For, for decades. And so 
you know, when they hear about the carnivore diet, they say, well, that's a diet I could do, you know, and, but it, they've been told it's not good for them. So if you have evidence here, it says, okay, the carnivore diet is going to help you get way healthier than you would be on a standard American diet and you would enjoy it, then you're probably a candidate for it. Right. Right. I don't think by any means this is the only solution, the end all be all. So if you're somebody that says, I don't really want to eat that much meat. I want to eat more other things. I like fruits and vegetables. Then by all means, you can still be likely just as healthy on that kind of diet as well. But if this is something that you think you would enjoy, give it a try. Right. It can't, you know, it, well, I'm not saying it can't, but based on these results, it looks like it will not hurt you. It only has a chance to improve things. Yes. Well, and like I said, I, I don't do the carnivore diet, but I eat a lot of red meat mm -hmm. and uh, probably, you know, for the most part, you know, anywhere from 11 to uh, ounces to a pound a day of red meat. And the rest is all dairy. As far as that half of my, my 220, yeah. my 120 grams of protein out of my 240. And, um, I haven't hit the, uh, pound and a half to two pounds of meat a day. Like you have, um, I find that difficult, but what, when you're on the carnivore diet, it's not difficult. <laughs> like I, I found it easy all of a sudden. Yeah. Cause that's all you ate. So I could sit down and eat a 24 ounce steak. No problem. We have, we do have one of our members that they just, they they tell me they're eating so much steak right now. Hmm. I mean, like in the other day he said he ate two, gosh, I want to say it was two 12 ounce steaks, um, the other day. And, and he, every time it came in, he's like, I had a big old steak last night. He's, <laughs> he's eating meat like crazy. Yeah. Um, and he's getting stronger, you know. So without a doubt, it, for the very least, it seems the consensus as far as uh, personal experience has been improvement in health and strength. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's my conclusion with it. Um, take it for what you, what you will, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have anything else on the carnivore diet? No, not really. Um, but I'm happy to, to take questions. So if anybody wants to dive a little deeper, um, if you, uh, go to my Instagram, which is Parker underscore the fit farmer. Yep. Um, I made a post about it in this little video, kind of talking about my results a little bit more in depth. Um, and you can always message me on there. If you have questions about it, I'd be happy to answer any questions about my experience and just, just want to help you guys and pass along the knowledge I have. So yeah, and Parker to be the one to talk to for sure on that. Well, I do have a little experience with it now. So <laughs> yeah, well, and it's as you know, when you have experience with something, that's when you can talk about the nuances of the struggles and the benefits of it mm -hmm. more in depth than like reading it from a study. Yeah, I mean, studies fine, but it doesn't really tell you anything until you try it yourself. That real world experience is important. Mm -hmm. That's okay. what I found. You know, when it, that same thing when it comes to exercises in the gym, mm -hmm. right? I'm never going to coach somebody on an exercise that I haven't done and understood myself and understand the benefits and the nuances and the details. Because how are you going to coach it if you don't understand those nuances? Right. You know, and how do you, you know, if someone communicates to you how they're feeling 
doing an exercise, if you haven't been there and felt that before, you're not going to understand how to coach them through that. Um, Sidetracking here. So there was a couple other studies that we talked about prior to the the show that recently that came out. We found, I think we found the second one, which was on fish oils. Um, The first one was on vitamin D, which... um, after reviewing the study, it looks like they took it one time where they gave them 300,000 units. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, uh, like the maximum would be like once a year. Right. Is, is when they took it. Which is basically like a, if, so you guys understand that's like buying 30 tablets and consuming it all in one sitting. Well, the, the U S or the, the FDA's, uh, nutritional guideline for, Vitamin D is 2,000 IUs a day, and they were taking 300,000 IUs all at once. Exactly. And then not taking it again. Which my first, when you know, if someone had told me they had done that, I would be, hmm, I'd be slightly concerned. Are they dead? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would ask. Um, But apparently... um, I, I think it the uh, vitamin D stayed within them for quite some time. Yeah, and that that dispels a theory that uh, is very popular when it comes to vitamin D. Is you know you want to take vitamin D, you want to have vitamin D, but you don't want to go overboard with it because uh, there are two different types of vitamins: water soluble and fat soluble. And, and water soluble vitamins, uh, it doesn't. You know, you need to get a certain amount of it, but it, it's right. also not um, not something you can have too much of because it's soluble in water, so it, it's just going to dissolve into the water and be passed through urination if you have too much of it. Now, vitamin D, on the other hand, fat-soluble vitamin will uh, be dissolved kind of into your body fat, and um, if you have too much of it in your system or you intake too much, you can get too much of it and get to toxic levels. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the theory out there. Now, you know, I've never found any hard evidence on how much that is. I've heard of people taking as much as, you know, 50,000 IUs a week um, or even more, um, especially during the wintertime, because, you know, during the summertime around here in the in the, in the Midwest, um, we can get vitamin D from the sun probably March through October, November. Right. Pretty safely. But during those other times of the year, we, we can't. And so a lot of people supplement with an oral vitamin D uh, during those other times of the year to simulate getting some sunlight, the vitamin D they would get from sunlight, um, which is good and keeps because you want to keep your vitamin D levels high. There's a lot of indicators that show uh, the correlation between vitamin D levels and mm-hmm. overall health, but, right. but, but we don't want to push those limits. We don't want to go too high is, is basically where we're at. We want high vitamin D. We don't want it too high. We don't know how high too high is. So this is a really interesting study to, to kind of get some more knowledge about that. Yeah. And so, you know, that study was done at Emory university school of medicine. Um, and it's an, anyways, and I think the leading Malcolm D Kearns, um, uh, Jessica Alvarez and um, were two of the top people that ran this study. Hmm. Anyway, um, interesting study, and we found that interesting. The other one was we found, once again, that fish oil 
or omega-3 is extremely important for the body. Yeah, not just the body, but specifically in this study, it was talking about uh, heart function. Right. And its improvements on heart function, which, um, you know, uh, fish oils, omega-3 fatty acids, Mm -hmm. and those are derived from foods that are very high in saturated fats. So... You know, what I was talking to Matt about before the podcast was <clears throat> we've been told for how long that saturated fats are, you know, this terrible thing for your heart and they're going to clog your arteries and give you a heart attack and blah, blah, blah. But here, this study found that um, heart function improved with higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, um, which kind of tells you the opposite of what we've been told, which is interesting. Yeah, well, it and... There was a a study that was done or that we were looking up where they took smokers and non-smokers and the uh, gamma and omega-3 fatty acids um, and found out the people that were taking the omega-3, where their heart health was drastically improved. And so that just speaks to the power of, you know, and their lung function was better and uh, and then, so it actually started to improve their health being on omega-3. So that was a strong, that's strong evidence to take that uh, supplement for sure. So what you're saying is I can smoke. I just need to make sure I take <laughs> omega-3s that way I'm healthy, right? Okay, guys, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> no, uh, don't ever smoke. Yeah, don't ever smoke. Yeah, or no. But, but I think w- what you're trying to get to is that even you know, when there's significant headwinds for being healthy, like something like smoking, that omega-3s can, can be, be an improvement on that. Yes. You know, so if you are trying to reverse, you know, some of the chronic uh, symptoms that come from smoking, especially if you're a heavy smoker and you're trying to stop, you know, omega-3, they've found over a period of time will uh, help improve lung function and yeah. your uh, cardiovascular or, you know, healthy heart. So, um, which was a fascinating study and, um, yeah, so those are a couple that we came across and well, so now let's, let's talk a little bit to the listeners about what, you know, what advice do we have for those two, um, vitamins, vitamin D or, and and the fatty acid, omega-3 fatty acids in terms of consumption, how, how are they going to consume them and, and what and when, things like that. What's our advice given an interpretation of these studies? Well, make it, I, I take vitamin D. I usually try to take it when I'm having some fat in my diet. Yeah. Um, and I take it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps, I can tell, it keeps my levels up. Yeah. So um, I didn't start taking it until probably January. That's when I kind of noticed a... I was running because I was out in the sun a fair bit, yeah. You know, before the winter and yeah. in January, I was starting to feel really even more run down than I the most of the winter. So I started adding that back in. It's helped my levels. Yeah, signs of of vitamin D deficiency would be um, <clears throat> a lot of times mood is a big one. Mm-hmm. Your, your mood gets down, you start to feel called seasonal depression disorder. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's your, your mood, you're kind of down, you're kind of depressed about it being winter. That's one. Um, sickness is another one. You start to get sick, cold and flu season. Um, that's another sign of a vitamin D deficiency. The more you're out in the sun, so, so you know, we talked about vitamin D being a fat-soluble vitamin. So 
it dissolves into your fat, but that also means that it, it it's, uh, stays around a lot longer and it's released very slowly for your body to use. So it's something that, <clears throat> like we talked about this study, you can get it in a mass dose all at once and then your body can continue to use it for many days, weeks, months at a time in this, in this study's case for a whole year. Yeah. Right. So, and that's how it kind of works with sunlight. You know, if you get a, if you're out in the sun for a really long time one day and then you're not out in the sun for a month, you know, you still are fine with vitamin D. So, um, you know, you can take it a little bit every day, but the more that you got during the summertime and during the time when you were able, your body was able to absorb vitamin D from the sun, the less you're going to need throughout the winter. Yeah. Um, and the less you got in the summertime when, you know, the sun was out and you were getting vitamin D, the, the more you're going to need throughout the winter yeah. to kind of bridge that gap. That's funny. You mentioned Matt. my dad lived his life outside and he had a permanent tan from the time I was young to the time I was old. I mean, I kid you not. And he had very leathery skin because he was working outside constantly. Yeah. So I think I had, had enough vitamin D in him to last his entire life. <laughs> Because he was constantly going. Well, and here's an interesting fact, too, is uh, they've done research that you, you cannot... There are negative effects of overexposure to the sun, but mm -hmm. you cannot get too much vitamin D from the sun. Well, that's interesting because... And I, I, don't, I didn't study for this, but I had done some original research is that the sun doesn't necessarily cause cancer. That it's the processed foods that you eat that interact with the sun mm. that cause cancer in the skin. Now I haven't, that was probably a year ago I came across that study, but since you brought it up is that, you know, you didn't have all this skin cancer before processed foods and people were outside more back. That's then. right. That's right. So suddenly people are advising you to stay outside, not stay out, go outside in the sun and cause it causes skin cancer. <laughs> And some of the and there is a study out there that was connecting the fact that um, when you have certain processed foods, and at this moment I can't remember because I didn't know I was going to be talking about this, but you have certain processed foods that have certain chemicals in them that end up in the skin. Then when it interacts with the sun, that it act, it causes cancer, yeah. and that is what um, is the cancer causing agent with the sun, not the sun and just being out. If you eat healthy, you know, there's a good chance that you can be out in the sun for an extended period of time outside of getting a sunburn, um, extended period of time a lot, and you'll never get cancer. Now, again, I'm not stating that as fact. I'm just saying that there is some evidence to go along with that and a history that correlates with it. Um, and, and also there is, um, you know, the suntan lotions they give you have been proven to be, uh, have harmful chemicals in them, um, that can cause cancer. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that's a whole nother subject. I don't want to get too deep into it, but. Well, what I'm hearing is, and what you're suggesting is that all the, the natural things out there that God created in this world are actually not the things that are giving us cancer. And it maybe it's the things that we're creating and the, the processing and things we're doing to ourselves that's actually giving us the cancer. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. You know, as you get farther and farther into 
life and you know we're all raised in the you know uh, the i'd say the unnatural products you know that are surrounding us as you get back to the natural world where you know natural sunlight natural um products that are made from the earth you know not all this you know manufactured processed you know makeup or suntan lotion or food or whatever it is when you start messing with uh, what god gave us it starts having negative effects yeah and um you know so it is a kind of a minefield when you start getting into it it's like well gosh i was taking this to help me and it's actually hurting me you know it's kind of like you know deodorants you know certain deodorants aren't good for you even though they work so leave. make sure to walk around uh, being smelly. No, not <laughs> saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that's yeah, it's it's interesting. We kind of went from vitamin uh, D onto that, but yeah. Um, so I've never been a big one to take vitamin D because I get a lot of sunlight typically yeah. in the summer. I I tan really well. I've not especially felt like I needed it. Um, so I haven't taken it, but, um, I've seen people, you know, go as high as, you know, five to 10,000 I use a day and, um, feel very good on it and not achieve any harmful results. I'm not sure that I would recommend anybody go for a super mega dose, like in the study Mm -hmm. and do that one time, you know, but, um, Obviously, it's proven to be an, an option as well. Um, and it does go to show, too, that the vitamin D that you get throughout the summer is still around in the wintertime, at least a little bit, because those people only got it one time. Yeah. So if you guys are looking to get some uh, omega-3s in your diet, the you know obviously uh, fish oils is kind of the, the layman's term for it. And so they are found in, in fish, in fatty fish, salmon, cod, things like that. So um, if you're looking for fish oils, Fatty fish is a great thing. Also, uh, beef is a tremendous source of omega-3s as well. Um, the more grass-fed it is, the more omega-3s that they found it to have. So lean more towards that. And then eggs also found to have a lot of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, so it's kind of interesting. We circle right back to carnivore diet where we started. Those are the foods they eat on the carnivore diet, and those are the foods that have most omega-3s. So um, stick to those. If you're in a situation where... Um, you are not getting a lot of those foods, you could supplement. It's always going to be better to have it from the natural sources. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you need to, you can always supplement getting uh, fish oils, pick up some fish oil supplements. But we always recommend getting as much as you can from the, the natural source. Oh, absolutely. So Absolutely. Do you got anything else? Uh, no, I think that was a great, great episode. Talked about some good stuff. Um, the, it's interesting getting to these studies, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and seeing these results and, and um, being able to kind of interpret them and um, hopefully help the listeners parse through this stuff a little bit. And, and then also have our own evidence um, that we've tried on ourselves to help people with, because you can read a study, but what do we know about studies? You know, a lot of times they have the results of the people who fund them. Um, they have a bias in them most of the time, and they're not always the most reliable. And so, you know, I know if I try something on myself and I see other people around me that I trust uh, doing that and, and I can trust the results that 
that we've gathered from that. Let's talk about that just for a second. Uh, And I haven't given this much thought, but what would be a way to review a study that we would give credence to? Um, Probably you'd have to dive deep into the details, kind of like you were talking about with the, you know, with the carnivore diet, you know, mm-hmm. what diet were they eating beforehand? Because mm-hmm. that's important. Right. If they were eating like only McDonald's for a month and then they <laughs> 100% improvement <laughs> and then they ate only carnivore for a month, obviously you're not going to put as much stock in that diet because, or that study. Because what that study is basically telling you in that case is, oh, carnivore is better than McDonald's. Well, duh. You know, right. so, okay, yeah, we learned something from the study, but did we learn anything of great value? Not necessarily. So right. reading deeply, not not necessarily just focusing on what the conclusion says, but focusing on reading the whole thing and what the details say in there as well about the, how the study was conducted. Also, excuse me, sorry about that. Um, also, you know, uh, who was investing in it? Mm. You know, what was, what was the money behind it and why was it started? Yeah. Uh, what, obviously the parameters are important, like we just talked about, but you know, if you find that someone's invested in it, has, um, an invested interest in it coming out a certain way, then you're going to have to, and usually you can, you can read into the parameters why they're getting the results they're getting. Yeah. So that's, that's one way to kind of, um, kind of separate their studies. Be careful reading those studies guys. But you know, if you ever come across one and you want to just send it our way, um, that'd be great. We, we love looking into them and, and kind of, you know, seeing what's legit and maybe what's not. So any studies you guys have or just any topics in general, um, always just send them our way questions, anything like that. Um, we're more than happy to dive into topics you guys want to hear and answer questions that you guys have. And the email for that is cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. Or you can always reach out to us on Instagram or YouTube too, mm-hmm. lo- loading the bar podcast. Yeah. The, we have a, a lot more content that's going to be added. Um, you know, we're, uh, trying to fit that in around our daily lives and getting all that stuff up. So be patient with us. Yep, absolutely. All right, Matt, well, appreciate you joining me today. Um, Episode seven of Loading the Bar podcast is in the books. We will see you guys next week. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Hey, look at you. You've completed another milestone by finishing this episode of Loading the Bar. Your future self thanks you profusely. Loading the Bar is podcasted from Kansas City, Missouri. Email us at cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. Forge ahead and share your progress. And we'll see you back here for another episode of Loading the Bar.